Saturday, January 2nd, 2010. And this is Radio Wave. Network Information Service. I'm Robert John. Clean Water Restoration Act raises fears of land grab. Upwards of 40% of all land in the United States is already under some form of government control or ownership. 800 million to 900 million acres out of America's total 2.2 billion acres. The government now appears poised to wield greater control over private property on a number of fronts. The so-called Clean Water Restoration Act is described by opponents as a sweeping overhaul of the existing Clean Water Act that could threaten both physical land and jobs by wiping out some farmers entirely. Water, by common law, has always been part of the land purchased by the landowner. These property rights are being taken away by government to the degree that ownership control of one's own wells is being wielded away. Right now, the law says that the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, is in charge of all navigable water, said Senator John Barrasso, Republican chairman of the Senate Western Caucus and an opponent of the bill. This new bill removes the word navigable. So for ranchers and farmers who have mud puddles, prairie potholes, anything from snow melting on their land, all of that water will now come under the regulation of the Army Corps of Engineers and the EPA, he said. Senator Barrasso also said, the government wants control of all water. That also means that they want control over all of our land, including the private property rights of people from the entire United States. While many Americans do not view the spiritual side to such issues, more and more are vocally speaking out, saying that these types of land grabs and other similar legislation are violations of the Ten Commandments, coveting another's property, or even stealing another's property through confiscation by the government. On September 25, 1992, Our Lady said, Satan wishes to guide you as far away as possible from Christian life as well as from the commandments. The Church has always taught that ownership of private property is a right granted by God, not government. This is the MEDGE Network Information Service. World War II veteran fights for his flagpole. Every morning, Medal of Honor recipient Colonel Van T. Barfoot raises the American flag in front of his home in suburban Richmond, Virginia. 
Now his neighborhood's governing board says the flagpole must come down, or he could face legal action. In July of 2009, the Sussex Square Homeowners Association denied Barfoot's request to erect the 21-foot pole, ruling that it violated the community's aesthetic guidelines. But the 90-year-old Army vet put it up anyway and has been flying the flag daily since Veterans Day. News of Barfoot's fight to save the flagpole has generated offers of support from fellow vets. However, Barfoot's neighbors are split over the issue. Many people are now speaking out, saying that local boards, such as homeowners associations, fire districts, etc., are becoming like Gestapos, exercising power where they have no right to do so. Those who live under these organizations are realizing that something is disordered, that the workings of these are becoming more like organizations similar to the locally organized groups that operated under communist regimes to watch your neighbor. Though some Americans are beginning to wake up, many are still lost in the ways of the world and have lost the ability to discern the great dangers that exist in these types of organizations. Rather than resisting, many are allowing such evils to envelop them. Our Lady said on May 2, 2009, You are permitting sin to overcome you more and more. You are permitting it to master you and to take away your power of discernment. Do not permit darkness to envelop you. This is the Medj Network Information Service. Researcher threatens to sue NASA over climate data. Senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, Christopher C. Horner, said NASA has refused for two years to provide information under the Freedom of Information Act that would show how the agency has intentionally crafted its climate data and explain why the agency has repeatedly had to correct its data dating as far back as the 1930s. Horner, as well as an overwhelming majority of scientists and other experts, maintained that climate change and global warming are based in lies and deception. I assume that what is there is highly damaging, Mr. Horner said, in regards to NASA refusing to provide information. Mr. Horner's fight mirrors one that has sprung up in Britain since the release of thousands of emails from the University of East Anglia's Climate Research Unit, which shows researchers changing their data to falsely support the world community to believe in climate change in order to extort money from developed nations. The NASA and East Anglia's Climate Research Unit are considered the backbone of much of the science that suggests the Earth is warming as a result of man-made greenhouse gas emissions. NASA argues that its data suggests this decade has been the warmest on record. On the other hand, data from the University of Alabama Huntsville suggests temperatures have been relatively flat for most of this decade. Joseph Natius, with the Coalition to Save America, asks, Which side is telling the truth? Are we to believe, in arrogance, that man's activities are such that he controls the climate of the entire world? Natius also questions what information we allow into our minds. He says, Is it truth or lies? Does it lift our soul or lower it? Our Lady inquired about what we believe and thereby what we have let enter into our souls when she said on December 2, 2009, Is it your soul, cleansed by love 
from lies, arrogance, hatred, and malice, I am pointing you to the way which will raise your soul to a complete union with my Son. From the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Magicoria.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. Man waited. History divided. He lived his life quietly, under the protection of his mother and father. He was destined to be the rise and fall of many. So sweet was the peace that was in his family that he would long for its love when later he was immersed in the cup of hatred. The Christmas celebration has not ended. In Europe, the Feast of the Three Kings is celebrated in January and nativities remain well into the month. Why does the celebration not continue? With the birth of Jesus came a second morning, a third beautiful morning for all the earth. All creation was blessed. Holiness walked the earth. The little infant in the arms of his mother was the center of history. O oh Mary, tell us what it was like. O oh little Jesus, come into our family. Bring us your peace. Touch our hearts. Fill them with your love. O oh infant Jesus, we wish you into every family. The birth of Jesus encourages us to live a profound spiritual life in simplicity so that in prayer we can build up a new world of peace through the family. Today is the time, unlike any in history. Purify your hearts and your homes. Discard every obstacle to holiness that's in your home. Surround yourself with reminders of God. Lead your family to holiness through prayer and by changing your surroundings. Come to the resting place. It is our desire for you to begin to experience profound peace, a peace that the world cannot give. The Resting Place at Caritas of Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and throughout this next hour, he'll be discussing with us the messages that we received uh, through Mariana. Of course, we received a message today through Mariana from Our Lady on the Day for Nonbelievers. And for those of you that uh, read the article on Medjugorje.com today, there were also two other messages that were received uh, earlier last month to Yvonne and uh, yesterday uh, through Maria. And so as we begin this broadcast, we ask that you open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> Father, we come before you in prayer and deep gratitude for the times that we live in, that we are afforded the second best opportunity in history to be alive, the first being with Jesus. And for those who walked with him, and for us who now are alive during the time that our lady walks the earth with us that heaven has descended down upon her and carried by her to us. We pray you open our hearts tonight. We pray we understand more as we discuss your message, Mary. 
that you help us grasp the greatness of the gift we've been given. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are again on an exciting second of the month, actually. And uh, the January, I guess the January apparitions are, I look forward to the most because that's where some of the most profound uh, messages have happened at the change of uh, the new year. But we also went through these 28 years of apparitions with the change of a millennium. It's no mistake that the timing of the apparitions wasn't chosen for the early 1900s or the 1950s or the 1820s, but in time to usher in the new millennium. Of course, that was a great event. And right after the new millennium, we got that great uh, message that's so critically important that Maria, Maria herself went to the mountain, Apparition Mountain, and our lady said and told her, now that when Satan is chained, consecrate, consecrate yourself to my naked heart and the heart of, or into, my, into the sacred heart of Jesus. Uh, she didn't say... <coughs> That's going to uh, stop him from being unchanged. She says, in other words, for your protection, consecrate yourself. That's your protection because he's roaming free. And I always remember talking to her. I said, well, Maria, I said, we all thought he was, he was uh, free for up to this point. And he, he's, he has so much longitude and latitude. She says he had long, long chains. So um, it, it's significant that. Uh, I don't remember it. between that time in 2000. Was that 2000 or 2001? That's 2001, that message that Maria's gone to the mountain at that, uh, for the apparition until uh, last night when our lady called her up there again last night. So she had a message there last night. And it almost brings kind of things to a full circle because in it, from 2001, that Satan message being unchained to this message last night, was also a very brief message, but something, I think, connected to that 2001. But before we get to that, Joan, we'll read the second of the month, which is Mariana's message, and that's what this day today is about, the Day of Nonbelievers. And, and it, too, is significant. And, and in the past, we have had significant messages on the beginning of January and the second of the month, and just preceding uh, the year change. I know, I think it was 99 when Our Lady told Maria... Uh, I don't know if it was 25th, right in, I think it was 1999, when Our Lady said, um, you have a new possibility for peace this century. So it gave illumination to us. These are little bitty tidbits that can pass by and not even notice it. But the fact that she says you have a new possibility for peace this century, and obviously 1999 to 2000 would change the century. And and I've always, that that one little bitty statement always hit me that we're going to have a we're going to have the peace if we respond. We've got an opportunity for a century of peace, and perhaps then that's when the Antichrist will come back. That's why I always say I think this is a forerunner. The situation we're in now is a forerunner of what it would be like to be underneath the anti Antichrist system, just like we just heard on Major New World Network. Government taking your, your water, taking your property. But before we get into that uh, system, perhaps Joan, you go ahead and read today's message to Mariana to, for us. Our Lady Queen of Peace and Medjugorje's January 2nd, 2010 message to Mariana, given on the Day for Nonbelievers. Dear children, today I'm calling you to, with complete trust and love, set out with me because I desire to acquaint you with my son. Do not be afraid, my children. I am here with you. 
I am next to you. I am showing you the way to forgive yourselves, to forgive others, and with sincere repentance of heart, to kneel before the Father. Make everything die in you that hinders you from loving and saving, that you may be with Him and in Him. Decide for a new beginning, a beginning of sincere love of God Himself. Thank you. You cannot go through conversion unless you're willing to die to yourself. In fact, that's some of the first things that happen. Conversion is easy. What's not easy is to start changing your, your life. Uh, many people go through conversion. And often we see that um, people don't see the way we see certain things, but they, haven't, they didn't change their life. They converted, but they didn't change anything. They continue in their ways. You know, it's really interesting that Our Lady's messages are for non-believers and, and non-belief in us. Many in the movement, even up to now, sometimes think this is for people who don't believe. Well, who's she speaking to? Dear children, today I'm calling you. Who's listening to that? I'm listening to that. So I need to pimp this over my soul, my spirit, my way of life, what I'm doing, to see if there's atheistic belief in me. Do I not believe in part of the message? So this message is to eradicate any non-belief in me. And scripturally, we always have a thought of calling sinners to repentance. So you get converted and you, and you change or you don't change or whatever. You grow in conversion. And you, you see this. Well, we've got to go after sinners. We've got to call them to repentance. The call to repentance is not just for sinners. There's many, many people... In fact, I think there's more problem in front of God with the righteous who need to be called to repentance. It's not just sinners. Jesus' big uh, major foes with the righteous, being self-righteous, who needed repentance. The call to repentance for both the sinner is valid, but the call to Repentance for the, the righteous is even more valid. And if you look at the pattern of Our Lady, the first people she's talking to is who is listening. It's the righteous. Who's going to Medjugorje? The righteous. Who's going there praying? It's the righteous. All the principles of her messages are really addressed to these people. And you know who those people are? It's me. It's you who are listening to this program. It's you who are following Our Lady. So don't think you don't need Repentance. Not just going to confession for forgiveness. We need to be called to repent, just like the sinners, because Jesus always pointed to the people who were, were in the way much more severely. Very severe with Peter. Peter just said, Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem. I, I love you. Don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. Get behind me, you Satan. Jesus told the, the adulteress, Told the Pharisees, don't stone her. Then he just tells her, go sin no more, don't do anything. He was less severe with her, calling the act of adultery compared to Peter, who just was saying something out of love. And so we see this repeatedly that he was severe with those around him because the sinner was called to repentance, the adulteress, and the self righteous, or the righteous ones, underneath his guideship, was called to repentance. 
So don't think these messages aren't, I'm over here and I'm doing, I'm doing my three hours of prayer and I'm doing my roses, I'm doing this. this the, those are the worst people. We've got, to, we've got to follow the messages in humility to realize that the very first person that that should be addressed to is not your spouse, not your children, not your neighbor, not the great sinners, but me, myself, and I. When you get that principle in, and understand who our lady is first talking to, then you know and you can, you can convict. And, and it's why it's P, Paul. Paul was converted, but he didn't know how to be a Christian. He spent eight years learning how to be one. Possibly 11 years. We've talked about that. It's scriptures. He didn't do anything. He didn't go and speak. That really impacted me that, hey, how can I go tell somebody else about conversion? Or you need to convert. I need to chase you, beating you over the head with a Bible or these messages. At the same time, I didn't even know how to live the messages. And I didn't. I said, I'm not going to do anything. I was very passive. Until nine years later, eight to nine years later, I was with Maria, and she, she basically said in the message we've got, you've read many times in Words from Heaven, we've talked about it, gave a message for, for us in the community that said, you know, quit being passive, be proactive. Go get hearts, G-E-T, that's the word she used. That always amazed me. Get hearts close to mine to a way of salvation. She claimed the community, says, you're my instruments, my hands. Uh, you can read the message. I won't go deep in that message, but it was a profound message. It was on Maria and I. That it was very clearly, she said, it was to the community, to myself, family, and community. But the thing is, I had been passive. I was not proactive. It was at that point that I became bold and went after and was more aggressive with the message. But I'd been living for eight years that. Went through a lot of purifications, a lot of difficulties. So still, though, even in the midst of that, I need to read this message today and be called to repentance. So remember, being called to repentance is not just sinners. It's the righteous. Because some of the worst sins are committed by the righteous. And that's why Jesus was so severe with the Pharisees. And so severe with Peter. You know, get behind me, you Satan. Or when, he, when they came up and, and wanted to keep the children. And he became indignant. Indignant. Show me one place in the scripture where Jesus became indignant when the sinner came to him. I mean, vile sinners. Mary Magdalene was vile. All he did was give her love. He said what sin is. We have a, we have a thing today of, of uh, non-belief in Christians who tolerate sin. They hate the sinner. So they say, oh, well, that's the way you are, and that's the way you live, and you live abomination, so I'm not, you know, I don't agree with it, but you, know, you hate that person. you got to convict them of the sin. Same time, you don't condemn the sinner. You show them the way out of it, and you're not to be that way. And I don't accept that. And I don't tolerate it. Not in my house, not on my street. So we've lost this whole way. And this is what our lady's coming to teach us on the second of the month. Because the first non-believer she's talking to is non-belief in us as individuals who are following her. And this is a great revelation that when we saw these things were so strong toward non-believers. And she slowly ebbed away into the back door and surprised us all. By showing we're the ones she's speaking about. So that was a big revelation. And I say that in the sense of private revelations because all public revelations is scriptural and it's ended with the death of the last apostle. But many private revelations are occurring. So this message today is of, of great interest simply because uh, it's prophetic. If you read this message, Our Lady's, Our Lady's preparing us for something. Dear children, today I'm calling you with complete trust and love. And love. Set out with me. As I wrote today, set out to do what? 
It's like an adventure. And I tell you, walking with the lady is an adventure. You never know what's going to happen from the ne- one thing to the next. Uh, on on New Year's Eve, we always get together. We stay together. We do the rosary at 12. Our first hour of the year is de- dedicated to Our Lady. The next day, which is yesterday, we all stay together uh, in the tabernacle, and we go over our greatest joys and our greatest sorrow, uh, greatest joys and our greatest um, lessons of the year. And uh, it's just interesting hearing different perspectives and different things. But one thing that came out to a lot of people, they said one of the greatest joys was back in February when Marie came with a surprise visit. We were in the bedroom praying. No one knew about her coming here. And uh, I had arranged for her to be here. And our lady waited to have the apparition. And she came into the bedroom uh, while we played a song, ask everybody to close their eyes. Maria kneels down beside me, by, beside the, uh, in front of the bed. I'm beside her. She gets in, squeezes in. And whenever it opens eyes, I see Maria. Nobody even had a, a, a tidbit of a hint that she was going to be there. And the shock and awe. You're talking about shock and awe. It was one of the greatest joys to be in our preparing for a wedding, which she came for, and and doing all the hustle and bustle that goes along with that and just doing our daily routine. And suddenly, here's the visionary Maria. And within 25 minutes of us seeing her, we go into the rosary and the mother of God's appearing. We never know where she's going to come. She, you never know what you'll be doing in this movement. And so she says here, sit out with me. And we see so many beautiful things like this. And if you ever want to think of joy, you just think at your house, you're sitting there, and Maria walks in, and she says, let's say the rosary. And in 20 minutes, you're, you're kneeling in front of the mother of God. That's just what happened to us. And I was so joyed by that because I didn't anticipate Maria coming into the room while everybody's eyes were closed. I thought she was going to stand at the door. She did that on her own. And I actually closed my eyes and then opened. I was looking at everybody else when they opened their eyes. And then I realized she was right next to me. And it was just awesome. There's just no way to explain that joy. It was just a great joy for us to have that. And so that's the first thing I thought about is our testimonies yesterday to each other. With complete trust and love, set out with me. We never know what we'll be doing one hour from now. We've had four or five people come up to Caritas. We do our morning prayers. We make our announcements. I've had to tell people, you, 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 go pack your bags. In an hour, you're going to be on a plane to Medjugorje. And it is an adventure with Our Lady. It is an adventure with Jesus. If you read the point, man, God, if you read the scriptures. And so this is exciting times to be alive. Tremendous times. And he says, because I desire to acquaint you with my son. Everybody's got acquaintances. Here's my acquaintance of mine. I want you to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. But can you imagine? What is our lady's? What, what has she got to tell us about Jesus? Because I desire to acquaint you with my son. Do you not know everything you need to know about Jesus from the scriptures? Or about the saints? What is it she's going to tell us? Or is it something we've lost, something that we don't have right now that we need to learn about Jesus? And you can get suspicious about this. You can sit there and say, uh-oh, I desire to acquaint you with my son. Because right following those words, she says, do not be afraid. Uh-oh, what side of Jesus does she want to acquaint us with? What did he have to do? He had to die for our sins. Our lady said in the bedroom, November 30th, 1988, Let life be love, only love. Everything you do, do it with love. You do also as Jesus did. He died out of love for you. 
every day offer even the little things up for Jesus. Jesus died out of love for you. I want you to acquaint. I want to acquaint you with my son. And do not be afraid, my children. Why would she add that? That's strange. I'm going to meet, let you meet Jesus and don't be afraid. I'm not afraid of Jesus. Would you be afraid of Jesus? You're more likely to be afraid of what he had to go through and what he did. So this is prophetic. This is something about our future. I am here with you, she says. I am next to you. I said before, and I know you feel the same out there listening. Thank God our lady's with us. I don't, I don't know if I could cope with the direction of the world and where it's going if I didn't have the comfort of knowing and the security that she's here on earth walking with us. I am showing you the way to forgive yourselves, to forgive others, and with sincere repentance of hearts to kneel before the Father. And then she mentions death. Make everything die in, in you that hinders you from loving and savings. That might be yourself. Not just vice or your habits. You know, people that offer themselves up for martyrdom in the Colosseum. We don't know what our future is. But make everything die in you that hinders you from loving and saving. That you may be with him and in him. Well, the martyrs were certainly with him. Our lady did say, uh, holy martyrs died witnessing." Holy martyrs died witnessing. I am a Christian. Decide for a new beginning, a beginning of sincere love of God himself. Thank you, our lady says. And so we have this beautiful message, I think prophetic, but also it is something for you today. It was for something that whatever might have happened to you yesterday. Every day this message has some meaning and purpose like that. So, while they're profound, they speak to us individual. This definitely has a prophetic tone about it. And the fact that our lady says the way she says it, there's things about Jesus that she wants to introduce us to that we don't have a shade of understanding, uh, even a little bit. Uh, I was shocked when Maria gave me a message in 88, and I'd been reading about the saints. I'd been praying. I'd been into uh, uh, mortification. I'd been in fasting. I'd been in all these things and doing penance, penitential things. And Maria tells, Our Lady tells Maria to give me a message that said, I want to teach you, I want to help you understand more what sacrifice and suffering means. And, and I want you to offer these up for something she wanted to, de to develop here. I was shocked at that. I, I, I was into Padre Pio. And I could say at that moment, what I thought I knew about suffering or sacrifice, even reading for years about saints, was nothing because I'd read it intellectually. I hadn't accepted it physically, even though I was doing physical things. <clears throat> I didn't go through those things that she put me through. Were those things good for me? You bet they were. Do I want to go through any of them again? No. Do I want to continue to go through them in the future? No. But I'm sure that's going to happen. Just like it's going to happen to you. Because that's what conversion means. The death of different things in you. The death of your wants. The death of your desires. The death of your ideas. And even maybe the death of your physical body. So these messages are so deep and they're so profound and they're so exciting in many ways. Because just as I said at the beginning, we have the second best time to live in history. And so Maria 
uh, last night was on the mountain. And it was raining incessantly. It was cold. Thousands of people were up on the mountain. She called them up there. And as I wrote, again, today, if you haven't read that reading, I, I, I encourage you to read the reading uh, or the article that I wrote about these three messages, including Evans too, that going back to 2001, she says with this message last night, is like we've been setting forth this path of 2000 all the way to 2010, now, these last 10 years, basically. And she says, Dear children, thank you. You are my hope. I bless you all. You are my joy. Keep converting and live my messages with joy. And so this is something we've been through a trial for the last 10 years, severe trials, many of us, and Satan being unchained. And then she says, thank you. You are my hope. So this little band, this little army of people, and, and, and I say a little army of people because the Mexico movement is very tiny. Those who are really committed to it, those who really were due February 25th, 1988, sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. Those who believe that and accept that is very, very few. Within the, within the movement is a minority. So you compare that to the world's population, it's just a few people. Now, maybe it's a million but a million out of six billion is nothing. Maybe it's 400,000. Well, maybe it's a million that really devote to Our Lady. And I know millions have gone to Medjugorje. But out of that million, maybe only, you know, maybe only 100,000 worldwide are really committed to this. So we have to grasp. First of all, it's a privilege to do that. But perseverance. The key to that is perseverance. So when Our Lady says, Dear children, thank you. You're my hope. I bless you all. You're my joy. Keep converting and live my messages with joy. I wrote in the message today about a book called uh, Horse Soldiers, which is about a dozen or so special forces who was charged with going to Afghanistan and basically toppling the whole government. It's an incredible story. And, and these few guys went in there underneath conditions that's unbelievable. And, and they were doing this to, to, as their duty. Uh, the Afghans that were fighting with our guys, that they they rallied and, and organized these special forces, 12 guys did. Uh, their horses, they'd feed the horses out of the hands, the Afghans would. And it was blizzard conditions, cold. They put a blanket on the horse, and then they lay again, they'd lay on the ground open, no tents, no nothing in these conditions. Some of them barefooted and sleep like that. They, they treated the horse better than themselves. Talk about commitment. If our lady just had 12 people like that, I mean, 12 people that would do that kind of thing and say, how serve God? I mean, they're, they're like John the Baptist, but they're fighting for a country, not for the spirit. And so we have people that do it for war. We have people that do it for causes. But our lady's cause is the cause of all. And she plans to bring down this civilization as it is. As we know it, it will be brought down. You can't, she's not coming for any other purpose than change pagan civilization now. To Christianize it. Because even the church needs Christianizing. All the denominations need Christianizing. We're lost. Our lady just told us a few months back, which we quoted, it was quoted in Med, Med News Network. Um, Can my son be born in it? Talking about our soul. Is it cleansed by love from lies, arrogance, hatred, and malice? 
We've got so many lies about the environmental movement. This thing is a religion. If you're hooked into this, you need to do research. Don't trust my word. Environmentalism today is a God. It is earth worship. It is a lie. There is no climate change. There is no problem with the climate. There's a problem with people lying. And in their arrogance, to think that we got that kind of effect, that God didn't already foresee a population 10 times 6 billion, 60 billion, that he knows what's going on in the earth. The problem is, is not climate change. The problem is soul change. The soul, soul is so dirty, so filthy, so vile, so in error, so ignorant, so lost, and so wavered from God that nature is obedient to God. This has nothing to do with carbon emissions, nothing at all about that. The research supports it. Don't take my word, you read it. But I tell you, if there is a problem ever with the earth, it's because the earth and nature comes to God's aids. God, God is aided by that because it doesn't have a free will. It does as he commands. Jesus says, stop the storm and what happened? And they had been watching arms be put back on people, leprosy fall off, and they're amazed and stunned. Who is this man that even stops a storm like this, that nature obeys, the waters listen to him? So God will violate the nature. He'll contradict nature. Our lady told us that natural law could be suspended. That's nothing. God doesn't even know he did it if he said yes. It didn't make him tired. i got to go sit down. Let me do an extra Sabbath. I need some rest. There's nothing. And it's much easier for God to do that, and that can be secured much quicker than the violation of one's free will. God almost never does violence to the free will. Almost never. That's how much it's respected. And so he won't do that. And so when man needs correction, what happens? What came down on Solomon and Gomorrah? What destroyed that? Nature did. Who ordered nature? God the creator. A lady wants us to acknowledge God is the creator. You better better pay attention to that. And so if we want things to go right, I tell you what, I have no doubt that there's 50 billion people walking the earth and we're righteous, really not self-righteous, but really holy people. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. That many people, even if you, it's going to cause many, many things to be used, resources of the earth, the heating, the, the elements and, and the emissions, all that's going to be there. But Jesus, God, is in control and nature will purify it. It, it. it would take care of itself because of our souls are in the right condition. Our souls in the wrong condition with half this number of people has brought down the wrath. You're talking about nature about erupt. Hey, I could just see the headlines before Noah. If we don't, we don't do something, there's going to be a big flood. We've got to do something. We've got to start shading everything. Come out with some kind of scheme, the ancient science about that day, to stop this rain that we, we think may come, because Noah said it's going to come. It was a soul condition, not an earth condition. And so this is a lie. And people are buying into it. People write to us sometimes, oh, well, we don't want to support you anymore because you, you're... you're uh, against envir- the environment or the environmentalism. I'm telling you, this is a God. I wrote about it two and a half years ago, and look what happened while you're sleeping. Our Catholic paper, Catholic News Service, is speaking all about all the inter- interning uh, into the moral issues, using the Pope's name to speak and denounce climate change and the damage that, that we're doing to the environment. I tell you, this is garbage, total unequivocal garbage. What we need to be doing is going after the souls. 
We need to be looking at people and, and going after them and see what we've done to hurt these people. How we not followed. Think about who in your past that you could have helped. Maybe they died. Maybe they, they've gone on to eternity. Maybe they made it, uh, didn't make it to heaven. And you had an opportunity to go after them. That's why he wants us to be apostles. Apostles go out, and by your baptism, the church gives you the right. Or the right no, it's by your right of baptism. You have the right to spread the faith. You don't need permission from anybody, not a priest, not a bishop, not your, your, your family, nobody. It's the right of baptism gives you the right to go evangelize. And he's calling us to do that. She's guiding us to this. So it's very important that we grasp this and that we understand that, that those souls out there that we've had opportunity to, to convict, did we drive them away by our witness? Did we lead them into sin? Have we been a poor witness with our words? Have we spoken Mary, Mary, Mary this and, and, and be a terrible example of living our messages? Oh, well, they want us to fast Friday, Wednesday and Fridays, and every Wednesday and Friday you eat. Or you don't paint. Oh, it's all right. Oh, yeah, you're drink, drinking this or Coca-Cola. Okay, well, yeah, I just do that. Well, what are you doing eating a steak? Yeah, well, I don't fast from steaks. i got to have some iron meat and stuff like that. Uh, well, yeah, here's sweets about my sugar, you know, cookies. You know, and we have this in the movement. So what are you doing to convict people? And often we hear people don't want religion because of that, but also we have people that drive people away from religion. Rabbi Zachariah is a, a Protestant minister who's an excellent orator and has incredible stories. And just three days ago, I heard a story that he told about this, and I thought it was so applicable to hear this little piece of his, his uh, homily because it's, it's where we've accepted atheism, and many people have been injured to it. The TV espouses atheism. The consumer market, the, the whole system uh, drives atheism, and we're part of that. We're telling people to be good. We're telling our kids to be good. We're telling our spouses to be good, or, or, and yet we participate in this. And so this is an incredible story who, who someone didn't do what they were supposed to do and actually drove people away from God into atheism, and later paid for it, paid for it in a severe way. God took a lot away from him to purify him. But as you listen to this, think about in your life who you've led the wrong way, just by your witness, not with words, and who you could have helped, who you didn't. I think I have for you one of the finest illustrations to show to you how a recognition of man's lostness serves as a propelling force. The first missionary America ever sent overseas was Adoniram Judson. If you have not read his biography, please read it. One of the finest minds America has ever produced. He was so brilliant. When he was 12 years old, he was teaching the adult Sunday school class the book of Revelation from the original language. Now, if that's not intimidating, I don't know what is. <laughs> he was so brilliant that people became petrified of Mr. Judson, and rightly so. When he got into college, he made the fatal mistake of thinking he was more brilliant than God. And his intellectualism got to him till he disavowed his faith. And then he became a terror. He went to Providence College in Rhode Island. He became a terror to his classmates who were Christians because Judson was so powerful in debate that he would knock them off any of their beliefs and they would avoid him. He had a roommate, a fellow by the name of Jacob Ames. Jacob Ames and Judson became very close. Jacob Ames came into Providence College professing to believe in Christ. He graduated out of Providence College professing to be an atheist, and he gave the credit to Adoniram Judson. 
His mother didn't know how to deal with him, so she just prayed for him. Father tried to talk to him, but he figured he'd knock the faith out of his own heart, so he decided to leave Judson alone. Many years went by and the faculty members kept a close eye on Judson, wondering what such a genius was going to do with his life. And one day he was riding to the city of New York to be trained for theater. At the end of his interview, he was riding back to Boston and it was a long, long ride back. He was so exhausted, he stopped in at an inn and asked the manager if he could check in for the night. And the manager says, sir, we really can't give you a room. They're all full. Mr. Judson says, Mr. Manager, I'm so tired. I'm falling asleep. Would you let me sleep in the front hall? I'll get up before it's dawn and leave here because uh, I'm so tired. I'll pay you the price of a room. I just need to lie down. He said, Mr. Judson, I do have a room that's available, but I wasn't going to rent it out because adjacent to that room is a man who's very sick. From his body is emanating a stench of decay. He's dying and he's crying in alternate fits of stupefaction and raving and profanity. But if you want that next room and he won't bother you, I'll give it to you. Judson said he won't bother me. But Judson lay awake at night listening to this profanity, listening to a man in untold agony crying out for help. And Judson tried to smother the sounds, tossed and turned, and gradually the sound subsided and Judson fell asleep. Next day as he was paying his bill, he said, what happened? Did the man feel better? He said, no, Mr. Judson, the man died. He died in the early hours of the morning. Judson says, out of curiosity, what do you do? A stranger's come into your inn and he dies on your hands. He said, yeah, it does pose a problem, but I'll tell you something. As I've looked over his papers and trying to contact the next of kin, I cannot put together how a man of his credentials and his, his brilliance has died such an ignominious death all alone in these conditions. He was an honors graduate from Providence College in Rhode Island, Mr. Judson. His name was Jacob Ames. And Judson paused for a moment and said, what did you say his name was? And he said his name was Jacob Ames, a Providence College graduate. Adoniram Judson, in his biography entitled To the Golden Shore, says this, I got onto my horse and I started to ride back. And I could not see in front of me, for the tears began to pour down my face. And as the tears were pouring down my face, two words were pounding into my heart as the hooves of the horse were pounding into the ground. And the two words were death Hell, death, hell, death, hell. He says, I got off my horse and knelt on the dusty road, repented bitterly of the way I had betrayed my God. For Jacob Ames now lay delivering up an account of his own soul because I had knocked out any faith that he'd had in God. He checked out of the United States and went to India, was kicked out of Calcutta and went into uh, Burma. Do you know that his first wife died out of an oriental disease her body had contracted for which she had no sense of immunization and out of sheer loneliness he remarried, his second wife died, three or four of his children died, his missionary colleagues died and this man was laboring almost in a funeral director's camp losing all of his colleagues till finally he himself realized he was in an awesome battle. It took him seven years to lead the first Burmese to Jesus Christ. So can you imagine the importance of your witness? And you hear this example of what we could have done, what we should have done, and what we failed to do can lead somebody to eternal death. And the price he paid for it. When he came back to God and he converted... He had a lot of toning to do. Lost his first wife, his second, his children. You know, torment in this life. 
And so Our Lady tells us for this message, Today I am calling you with complete trust and love set out with me, because I desire to acquaint you with my Son. Do not be afraid, my dear children. I am with you with love. I am next to you. I am showing you the way to forgive yourself. He needed forgiveness of himself first. Forgive what he did. Tears riding on the back of the horse. And this is superficial what we're hearing what this guy went through. What kind of torment did he feel replaying this in his mind, this guy dying? And he was responsible for leading him away from God by his brilliant orientations about there's no God. You did the same with your witness. I did the same if I failed my witness. Forgive yourselves to forgive others. And with sincere repentance of heart, God brings you to that. That God brings that to this man. Losing everything over and over and over. With sincere repentance of heart, to kneel before the Father, make everything die in you that hinders you from loving and saving, that you may be with him and in him. Decide for a new beginning, a beginning of sincere love of God himself. And how many people do we know? How many prodigal sons are out there? How many people out there that we can reach and we can be praying for that we don't put the effort to do it? We just write them off. It's not worth it. It's not worth it in this life nor the next. I think it was Teresa Avila said she'd die 1,000 deaths after sin. A soul go to hell. 1,000 of the most torturous deaths to save one soul. And you, and you say, oh, my spouse has caused me so many problems. Be interested in their salvation. Be their Christ. Offer everything up for their salvation. Think God won't answer? God won't answer this man's to save his, his former friend Ames and give him salvation? Could even walk next door if he knew who it was. But he was a non-believer because he didn't need God because he was arrogant. He believed lies, hatred, and malice. December 2nd, 2009 message. And so the prodigal son St. Augustine, the prodigal son, his mother, what did she do? How long did she pray for him? So how many people we know is not living the way they're supposed to live? You're just going to tolerate it? You're just going to accept it? Or you can't preach to them. You've got to do it first with your life. You preach with your life and your prayers and sacrifices and penance. Our Lady wants to go after the lost, the non-believers. You need to be in prayer for this. You need to sacrifice for it. And you can win. We know the parable of the prodigal son. We know they can come back. And we know what waits for them. Sit down one night in the fast lane bound for freedom In a truck that daddy bought me And money mama saved for school I laid down all my books and picked up the drinking Well I let them down when I gave up like a fool one reckless night just looking for my whiskey 
Found a Bible mama gave me and read a while I read a story about a man who lived just like me And finally ate his pride and came running home Lord, I'm a renegade, a rambler I've squandered all I've owned Upon a fight and run away I'm a gambler Can't count the lies I've told And I need redemption How about forgiveness And I pray for open arms And I'm coming home Yeah, I'm coming home Like a modern day prodigal son Had all of my things packed by early morning Left that bottle I'd lost right there on the bathroom floor Stopped at a paper on the call back home to mama And she might not even talk after all I've done Phone rang twice before I got an answer And Mama nearly dropped the phone when she heard me say I said, Mom, it's your son and will y'all have me? She said, Son, you know I've longed for this day Lord, I'm a renegade a rambler I've squandered all I've owned Upon a fight and run away I'm a gambler Can't count the lies I've told And I need redemption How about forgiveness And I pray for open arms Can you be with me, Lord? Oh, cause I'm coming home But like a modern-day prodigal son Lord, I'm a renegade, a rambler I've squandered all I've owned A bona fide runaway, I'm a gambler Can't count the lies I've told And I need redemption, how about forgiveness? And I pray for open arms Be with me, Lord Cause I'm going home like a modern day prodigal son. This movement, this great grace in this movement that our lady gives to us, this time that God gives us with her, are we not all prodigal sons? Have we drank it away? Have we wasted the grace? Do we understand that our lady came today with a prophetic message about our future? Are we in prayer about that? I need redemption. I need forgiveness. I need to understand the call to repentance. And so, yes, 
there's the prodigal sons out there, but in some ways, our lady is showing us in her higher wisdom that we're all prodigal. We're away from God. And so perhaps as you heard these words in the song, you may be thinking somebody you need to go after. It's true. But you do it with love and you do it with mercy. You do it with conviction. You do it with power, prayer, and fasting. And you do it tempered from time to time when you're prodigal, when you need to come back to Our Lady. And we can only understand that through the penance that Our Lady calls for, the sacrificial life. This apparition with Maria was in cold conditions, raining. And on December 8, 2009, just a couple of weeks before that, three weeks ago, Ivan was in Medjugorje. He went to the mountain, cold, rainy, all the thousands that went up there with that, at that point. Our Lady prayed for all those present. She looked at each one, each of the people. She says, my dear children, my little children, also today the mother loves you with her motherly love. I desire, my children, that through this time of grace, you open your hearts to the light, the light of my son, and that the light of my son may enter you, your hearts, and illuminate your hearts, and so that you may be happy. I especially call you to pray for families. Pray for holiness in the family through this time. Also, dear children, I desire to say thank you for having accepted me and having accepted my message and for living my message. Here we have the freshness of Our Lady's words that she gives to us and we don't grasp why we really need to turn away from everything that holds our attention and hinders us. Make everything die in you that hinders you from loving and saving, that you may be with him and in him. And tonight, that's what we need to ask ourselves. Self-conviction, examination of conscience with the message and what you're to do with it for this coming year and the real true resolutions that you need to make. Not just for two weeks and forget them, but real resolutions. We're doing a nine-day novena right now. We picked five messages last night or the night before at the first hour of the year between each message, and we took those messages, and that's our intentions for the words our lady wants us to live. And it correlated amazingly with all three of these messages we just had from December, Yvonne, Maria's last night, and Mariana's today. So we need to follow some kind of pattern and build into our life where whatever's prodigal in us, we can come home to our lady and stay with her. And to all of our lady's prodigal children everywhere, know that you're in our prayers as we ask that you please keep us in your prayers as well, all of those who are listening all over the whole world tonight, and to thank you for listening and to thank Our Lady for leading you to this program. We thank especially Our Lady for those who are supported this program, especially the core group members. As we come into a new year, we'll be in need of that support again. And to know we'll be joining you again uh, this coming Thursday for the Medianomics Show. Those of you listening tonight, uh, you'll want to tune into that. That's at 12 noon Central Time, USA. As we close out tonight, I want to remind you of uh, that we are very active here. Uh, we don't work anywhere else. Our full-time work is Medjugorje. We're missionaries. We have 
40 to 50 people here doing that. And that's a gift in itself that our whole life is Medjugorje. We sustain ourselves. But because of that, and because this is our work, we have many, many projects. We'll be launching some of these things. We'll be going into them. And we're very excited about what, where we're headed. Especially like these messages so prophetic about where we're headed. And so a lot of people came that didn't know Our Lady just a few months ago. Many people came in July that never even heard of Medjugorje. Heard about it for the first time. Many people come into our sites for the first time. Prodigal sons their whole life. And so our projects, our work, is to introduce people to the message and show them how to incorporate them into life. And so your support is very important. And as Riaz just said, we are our campaign for raising funds for Medj.com or Medjugorje.com now. It is starting, will be starting soon. And the projects we got on the drawing board, you haven't seen anything yet. There's a lot happening, a lot of things that, that you can't even foresee that Ali has inspired for us to do, that even all the way through next summer and into the next fall, we're looking at that, how to bring more people to Our Lady. So we end with those thoughts. We ask that you pray for our mission, pray for this year. Cover us in your prayers. Protect us. We'll be doing the same thing for you. We love you. Good night. And we wish you Our Lady.